slide up for me, Kevin. That would be great. Okay, so uh, just wanted to give a quick announcement. Uh, Danielle would have come and done this, but Lyrica has been running a fever the last couple of days, so she's at home. So nobody else can run fever. So <laughs> um, we're going to be doing a Sunday lunch, lunch giving. That I should have I should have named it that. Man, that would have been a missed opportunity. Ah, lunch giving, but it's Thanksgiving lunch. Um, we're going to be doing that on the 20th, which is next week. So next Sunday, we're going to be doing a Thanksgiving lunch. And so you can see if you go just right out the doors, you'll see there's a very colorful paper on the wall. Go there, look and see what you can contribute to the meal if you would like to. Uh, write your name down to let us know that you're going to be providing that. And if there's anything specific that we would need to know too, that's great. Um, so we're going to be doing that right after service next week. So again, after service next week. Um, and just a little bit about the blessing box. Um, that's what it's called, just around the corner on the sound booth. Um, you can, at any time, if you want to, um, you don't feel, don't feel like you're pressured, but if the Lord lays something on your heart um, to, uh, to just give to a certain area of ministry, maybe there's something going on around that time, then that's a wonderful opportunity to be able to give specifically to an area. And again, this is outside your tithing offering. At the beginning of the year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually deliver a message about our, uh, our responsibility as believers and, and giving into the storehouse and the, the wonderful responsibility we have there just for a, a greater understanding of why we even do something like that in church. It's really helpful to talk about why we do certain things, um, especially if you've been around for a while. It's just something that you've seen. Um, and so this is beyond your actual tithe that you give. This is to provide for somebody. And we have specific things uh, throughout the year that we'll be able to do. So this is specifically right now the season that we're really hoping to receive donations for is for the Thanksgiving box. And this is where <coughs> we help provide uh, for families and for people who, who, need, um, who need some food and, and just a little extra, extra attention there. That would be such a blessing to provide for that. And so we love to be a blessing, amen. We want to be a blessing to people. And so this is going to be an, a great opportunity. And then Danielle wanted me to remind you that there is a thing called the angel tree. Uh, you guys who have been around for a while uh, could be familiar with that. But that is where we, <coughs> we will have um, a tree uh, designated for families for that we can give uh, and buy presents for some of their kiddos so they can have some stuff to open on Christmas Day. And so we want to be able to provide for uh, some families who would really benefit from having a little extra on Christmas, and so uh, you can provide, there's going to be some ornaments to decorate it and all that stuff. If you want to provide an ornament, wonderful. If you would like to give to that, that's also on the blessing box um, paper, and so there's a, a list of different things that, that we really want to pour into ministerially-wise, and, uh, and that's called the angel tree. So angel tree for, for Christmas, and then Thanksgiving basket for uh, Thanksgiving time, and then anything else on top of there that you would be like, hey, I just would really, really feel a burden to give into this uh, specific ministry, then you can designate that there as well, too. Okay, so we have been in the book of First Timothy for a little while. I've been really enjoying this study. Anybody else been enjoying this study as we've been going through? Good. Um, and that's not a pandering word. You just tell me the truth. If you like it, you tell me. So, um, so it's been really fun. We were in chapter four last week, and we will continue on in chapter four. If you remember, uh, this book is dedicated and written, actually it's written to uh, the, the, uh, the pastor Timothy. Um, he's the one who is over the church in Ephesus. Paul sent him out here to combat false teaching. Again, we need to remember the context in which this letter was written so that we can rightfully understand the context of the passages that we're going to be going through. This was to combat heresy, the heretical teachings that were happening in this well-established church so that the church could rightfully 
divide the word of God, the word of truth, and they could continue to make disciples of all nations and not divide people away from what they were called into. Um, there was a lot of divisiveness. There was division that was occurring within the body, and that was something that Paul was very disheartened about. And so he sent one of his, his trusted um, uh, sons in the ministry, Timothy, to come here and to provide correction, new teaching um, that was based on everything that was back from the Torah on and, uh, and wanted to bring the people of God back together. And so this is where we find ourselves. He addresses much of the, of the individuals first within the household, letting them know that this is the way that you're supposed to be conducting yourselves as, as, as wonderful servants of the Lord within the, within the household, also within just your lifestyle. Went through in chapter one, talked about all the lists of the sins that they were all uh, committing during that time, the things that were, that were detestable compared to what God had inst- instituted from the beginning. You could see that in the in a comparison between the Ten Commandments and his, uh, his message there. Chapter 1, you can see the list of sins. The first, kind of the first half of those dealt with sins against God. The second half dealt with sins against man. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four deal with sins against God or the way that you're supposed to be acting towards God. And then the this, this, uh, last half of that, um, that deals with the way that we're supposed to be acting with, within the body, within one another. And so that's important for us to see that Paul is not making this stuff up. He's actually pulling his instruction from Scripture and delivering that in a way that would be understandable to them in their context, which is what we do on Sunday mornings, right? We want to take what the word says, we want to find the truth in it, because we know that it's true, and then we want to apply it to our lives, not just in knowledge, but in also practice and experience. We want to be people who are doers of the word, as James says, and not just hearers only. And so this is where we're at. We're at this process where now he goes through all these aspects. Paul tells Timothy, this is the way that they're supposed to be acting in the, in the church. This is the way they're supposed to be acting in the society. Then he even goes into chapter 3 talking about how they should act within the gathering when they come together with one another. They're not supposed to bicker or complain. They're actually supposed to lift up um, those who are in government and pray for them. Pray for them so that they could do well. We're supposed to petition. We're supposed to start off with, pray, with praying. Praying and supplication, offering thanksgiving to the Lord, being, being, uh, being joyful in our expression there. And then it goes through the rest of the, of the opportunity of what he's supposed to be um, conducting. And then now we get into this, this section of chapter 4. And he, like I said last week, he says, we'll, we'll start in verse 1 if you want to, Kevin. We'll, we'll start there and we'll move on. It says here, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and with prayer. This is the first time that we see that Paul mentions something that the Spirit clearly states. Some believe that he is, he, is, uh, he is essentially prophesying about what is to come. Some state that he is speaking of what is happening now and what will also happen later on. That in these latter times, these later times, this is after, after the place that when Christ died and rose. In these later times, now that the Holy Spirit has been, has been uh, delivered to us, has been sent to dwell in our midst, to dwell with us. We see that there will be those who will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. We, taught, we talked last week about how 
there are many people who they are attracted to what seems spiritual, but not so much what is true. They're attracted to what feels good, but not necessarily what is true. And we know that what is feeling, what feels good isn't always right. Amen. We know this. We can have feelings about things and, and, and towards certain things, but it doesn't mean that we go 100% down that direction in pursuing that one thing. When we come to the age to where we, we start to, to find out things about our body through puberty and adolescence, you start to have desires that are of the sexual nature, but it doesn't mean that you enact on those desires in its totality. And awaken love's passion, as the Bible says, awakens love's passion before the time is right. But that passion within the marriage bed is something that is, that is a wonderful gift that is shared between a man and a woman. Something that God has actually put inside of us to desire and to want. That way it could yield forth good fruit. Providing life to where we can, again, like we talked about today, train up children in the way that they should go. Continuing on the good news of the gospel through the one to have been birthed from the beautiful union of man and woman. So we see that there's sometimes that feelings, feelings don't mean that we need to continue down that path in a million miles an hour. And that that's the truth that we should be going towards. It is not my truth. It is the truth. I cannot walk around and say, well, this is what my truth is. I don't care what your truth is. This is what my truth is. My truth means nothing, like zero weight, because my life is fleeting. It is here today, and then it could be gone tomorrow. But Jesus remains forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Alpha, he, Omega, he is the Omega. Creator God, he is Yahweh, right? So we see that. So his truth is the truth. And the one that we need to live our lives by as the creator, the one who set forth the way into motion, how we're to be living, how our body operates, how this world um, will continue on and how this how the uh, how, how the planets are aligned. Everything is has been ordered by the creator. And so his truth needs to be the basis of which we live our lives, not just how it makes me feel. But what it moves me towards. You can see I'm, my, my daughter has been. Uh, she's two and she's two almost a half now and she's really gained a personality and she's talking a whole lot and she's you can tell when she really wants something she's going to let you know and just because she wants to go back into the kitchen and get something to eat does not mean that if it is one o'clock in the morning we're going to go and just have a meal because you want to go to the kitchen we have to set parameters and barriers around what needs to happen so that that person can also be well they can do well just because they want to go do something that is extremely dangerous doesn't mean you let them just because they want to. You set parameters around things to make sure that they're doing what they need to. And so we see that people will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such things come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. I'm not going to spend too much time here because we talked a lot about this last week. And this is why he brings this, this, this imagery up. He says, they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. This, if you go through a couple commentaries, you'll see that they were, they were calling people 
um, or they were telling people that they should not marry and then abstain from sexual relation in, com in totality, saying that all that stuff is bad. Even marriage shouldn't get married. And so they were they were creating like this this sect of of Christianity that was that was false, falsified, not following through with what God had had instituted and, and called us into, which is to also be fruitful and multiply. So he's they were negating people from doing this and actually creating essentially a, a, a church of eunuchs <laughs> and saying this is what we all need to do as a believer. This is what we need to ha have, have happen, and this is the direction you need to go into, and that is anti what the gospel preaches. That is anti what God has set forth in motion from the beginning of time. So so these people were teaching this this alternate gospel, and then so it was also leading those who were married, dividing the marriage and causing them to go into singleness because of what they were teaching. And so they were dividing not just people groups, but also households with their teaching, causing them to be led astray and saying that this was a pure and holy thing, which it was not. And then they called them to abstain from certain foods, and, and many of these also being Gentiles was an interesting thing because they were not held under the Judeo law. The, the Jews were having to abstain from certain foods, certain things that were going to be unclean, that would not be good for their bodies. There was not a you know, great way to be able to, uh, to clean some of these items at those times. And, you know, lots of them traveling in the desert, going all over the place. Who knows where some of these things, some of them could have been poisonous. So you had all kinds of different stuff that was, that was in there. And then there's wonderful imagery as, as far as like sacrificial things and the purity of that that I w do not have time to get into because I will spend 12 weeks talking about the sacrificial process of what that means. And, and that is not what we're going into right now. But, um, but there are reasons why the Jews went through that process. But Paul um, Paul was saying, hey, look, th this is not something that you are mandated into. And even Peter had a dream where the, where the, where the angel of the Lord visited him and let him know that, hey, this is, this is something that we're not having to deal with anymore. The, the, I the imagery that has been drawn out from this has been accomplished. The reasoning behind all of this, this stuff of why you were doing each and every one of these things, it has been, it has been set in motion by what Christ did on the cross. It was all leading and it was all example, uh, examples of what Jesus was going to do for them on the cross. What his sacrifice was going to render for them. And then what his resurrection was going to help and aid in that process as well. And then Paul continues in verse 4. He says, for everything God created is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Because it is consecrated by the word of God and in prayer. This even goes back into Genesis chapter 1 where you see in everything that God creates, he says that it is what? It's good. So in everything he has there, all these things received in thanksgiving, it's good. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of, Je of Christ Jesus. Nourished on the truths of the faith, and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. I love that he mentions this. He's mentioned this a couple times in this, in this book. Don't be drawn away from, from myths and these legends and these wives' tales that are not complementary or helpful in your walk with Christ. Again, these myths that they were speaking of they were distortions of who Christ was. It's, like, it's, like it's what they would do with, with gods. We saw this even with Titus, is that they would take 
these, these images of these gods and they would make up certain stories that would give them liberty for the behavior that they were wanting to walk out in. So some of these gods were very deceptive. They were, they were very um, even sensual. Some of them were, were very provocative. Others were, um, uh, were more manipulative in the way that they would do things. Just to get their way, they would kind of curve and carve themselves into certain things like that. And so these people would say, well, I'm worshiping this God who is, has these attributes. Therefore, I have liberty to do this because he blesses this action that I do. And that is not what we need to be walking in as believers in the body. We don't need to be walking in myths about Christ. Folk tales and fairy tales that people try to conjure up and they try to manipulate scripture and pull out scriptures out of context to show that what they believe is, is accurate and right. They're trying to use scripture to back up what they believe imposing their beliefs on scripture instead of allowing scripture to dictate what they believe. They rely on experience and what makes them feel good because it doesn't feel good all the time to call people out in sin. It doesn't feel good to have a stance that is contrary to what is being preached from the media at many times. It doesn't feel good to have to to be in a place where you feel like you're in opposition to everybody else because what you believe is, is, uh, is, is more holy than what, than what they're projecting. You feel like you're, like you're too, too strong, too, too rigid in your beliefs. But in reality, they are so lax that they actually have no God but themselves. They're manipulating who they feel like Jesus is so that they can continue on with their own lifestyle and their own sin. This is why, again, it is so important for us to know the truth. We have to know the word. If we don't know the word, then it's going to be very easy for us to be led astray because we don't want to be jerks. Nobody wants to be a religious bigot. Nobody wants to be called that. Nobody wants to be called, called uh, stuffy or... Um, or too rigid, or, you know, there's all these different terms that you can be called by having a standard that is not your own. But it's a valuable thing for us to know who our identity is found in. <clears throat> is my identity found in people and their ability to like me? Or is my identity found in Jesus, who did love everybody absolutely? Absolutely loved, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He didn't come to condemn the world, but he came to offer salvation to them. So we also should be living in that, in that manner. But that does not mean that we fold under unrighteousness. Doesn't mean that we allow ourselves to be manipulated because we, we fly the banner of love. There have been movements that have tried to hijack love and hijack promise and hijack um, anything that could be biblical and rename it or re repurpose it for their own desires and for their own agendas. And when you don't know the truth, you, you tend to feel like that, that is a reasonable thing. 
oh, well, this sin, it doesn't harm anybody else outside of us. This is okay. It's not harming anybody. Why, why, should, I be, why should I be concerned? Are we compromising our own, our own families for the sake of it's not harming anybody else? Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be god- godly. There, there's that word, train. Train yourself. Training does not mean that it's going to feel amazing. <laughs> doesn't mean that it's going to be the easiest thing to do when you train. Have you ever watched a, uh, a documentary of, an, of a really great athlete who is trained to, to exercise and, and, and compete at the highest of levels? It's, it's remarkable the discipline that they have. They become passionate in the midst of their discipline. They become passionate in, in what they feed themselves, what they, what they feed their bodies so that they can do the things that they need to. So they have enough energy and they have enough, um, enough uh, uh, calories to burn. They have all the things that they need. And then they go through and they have certain amounts of training. Depending on the type of, e- of exercise or the, the type of um, competition that they're in will determine the type of exercise that they put their body through. They're extremely precise. Have you ever watched any documentaries about people who are in the military and the type of things, especially if they're at the highest of levels, you know, like a Navy SEAL or, or, or something of that caliber, and the type of, type of dedication you have to put your body through and the type of training and exercise and, and, and manipulation of your will in order to continue on through things that your body would naturally just want to shut down during? They do these things so that they can be extremely precise. They do these things so that they can have, have the, the best ability to do their job efficiently, quietly, and unseen. Many of us will never know the names of certain people who have gone on some of these covert missions. Some of these people are some of the greatest heroes that, they could, that, that could have ever happened for our country as well because of the things that they've gone through. Are we okay with not having our names known, but being extremely precise with what the Lord has called us into? I'm not saying you need to be able to run a gajillion miles a day and backpack across the the nation. And I'm just saying, are you willing to be precise in your prayer life? Are you willing to be precise and dedicated whenever you open up your Bible? Are you able to do that on a daily basis? Do you actually talk to God or is it a religious activity that we do? Tradition is wonderful, and I lo- uh, we, we do, we're in church today because of tradition. People have been doing this for, for years and years and years and years and years, decades and decades, centuries and centuries, meeting with one another on a weekly basis. This is a tradition, but if the tradition becomes God, then we have an issue. How are we moving in this process? Are we, are we being manipulated by just the tradition itself, or are we allowing ourselves to be found in Christ and then engage in the tradition because this is something that draws us closer to God. He mentions in verse 8, for physical training is of some value, sure, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, that that is why we labor and strive, 
because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. This is valuable. Godliness has value for all things. As wonderful as those Navy SEALs are and the things that they have done, that's, that's that brought some great value for us in the country and in this nation. And the ripple effects of the things that they've been able to do are incredible and things that we may not ever have experienced. But here's the thing is if they don't know Jesus, then their fame will only extend as far as, as this country. Whenever they pass away, they, they won't be able to meet our Savior face to face and continue on in relationship because they, they have not known him. But for those who know Christ, then in everything that they do, it could produce godliness, righteousness, and it could also be fruitful for other people to taste and see that the Lord is good. Each one of us have specific skills that the Lord has has given us gifts, talents. Some of you guys are specialists in, in your job field, and, and that's wo wonderful. It's marvelous. I'm, I will not be a specialist in the same way that you guys are specialists in your, in your fields, and, and that's incredible. But godliness could be used and utilized with every single person in this room. We are all called to the standard of living as wonderful lovers of Jesus. We are all called to follow what Christ has called us to. We are all sinners fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin equal death. But the free gift of God produces eternal life for us in Christ Jesus. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so regardless of your specialty, we are all called, all called to live for Christ. Verse 11, he says this, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Preserve in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is not just a mandate for Timothy, I don't believe. It's beautiful, and he definitely wrote this to Timothy, but I feel like we can all take and glean from this, this exhortation that Paul offers Timothy at the end of this chapter. So I'm going to read this again. Okay, you guys ready? Think about this and think, of, think as if Paul is speaking specifically to you. Okay? Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, you are old, you're retired, you're first getting into your schooling, you're first getting into your, your jobs, you're in whatever state of life. Don't let anybody look down on you for your state of life and where you're at right now. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, 
in faith and in purity. Each and every one of us. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift. Each and every one of you guys have been given gifts. Uh, Paul writes about the many different types of gifts that are offered within the body to help encourage, uplift, and to edify the body of Christ together. So don't neglect the gift that God has given you. Do not neglect your contribution to, to society, to the body of Christ, to your family, and to your relationship with Jesus. Do not neglect those things. Dedicate yourself to Scripture, for you know Scripture, so that whenever you speak, you don't have to stand up at a pulpit like I'm doing right now and, and preach to a group of individuals. But whenever you're at your job, let everything that you say have the aroma of Scripture as it comes out of your mouth. Let it be hard for people not to know that what you're speaking is truth because it is rooted in the word. You don't have to say, thus saith the Lord in Psalm chapter 25, the Lord says this. You don't have to say any of that. You don't have to do that. But if you are seek, if you are if you are bathing yourself in scripture, if you are reading intently, and it doesn't have to be chapters on chapters every single day. It's just reading with intentionality. If you can read with an intentionality and be able to absorb what scripture is actually saying, it could be a, a verse a day. It could be two verses a day to where you are actually looking, reading, you are, you, are, you are asking the Lord for revelation for that scripture and how you can live that out in your life today then you will find that as you speak to others, the word will just happen to come out as you're speaking. It'll be, it'll be effortless because it is something that is ingrained within you. The way that you communicate with people will have, will have the, 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 the taste from your lips and they'll be able to recognize the sweet melody of scripture behind your actual words as you speak. So devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. Preaching and to teaching. Preaching is just to proclaim. That is, that is what the word means, proclaim. To preach is to proclaim. So we get to proclaim the good news everywhere that we go. We don't have to elevate preaching to a position of a pulpit or a position of a, of a pastor. Proclaiming the good news should be something that we should do on a regular basis. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. But be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Another scripture says that, that, uh, that we're supposed to do, do all the things unto the Lord so that other people may glorify our Father in heaven. Everyone may see your progress. This is something that I, that I found at the, uh, at the memorial yesterday for Dennis, is that there were some people who knew Dennis before he, he really gave his life in, in totality to Christ. And it's a beautiful thing to see someone and be like, really, this person was like that? Have you guys ever talked to someone that was, that's been like that? You go, no, you, you, no, there's no way you could have been involved in that kind of activity. You were a heathen? Get out of here. <laughs> you used to do this? You were doing that? Oh my gosh, you were terrible, weren't you? <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable almost that, that you would see someone who, who's walking so closely with the Lord, who's so, who's so near with them. You're like, there's no way that you would do that stuff. I don't, I don't believe it. But it's a transformation that happens when someone knows Christ. So let, let, 
Let it be so that you give yourself wholly to Christ so that everyone can see your progress as you go through. Your life will be the testimony for those who are unbelievers of the goodness of Jesus and his, his love for us. So watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch what you put into your mind, what you're, what you're absorbing. Listen to these people. That, I mean, they're... There are some websites and some, some charismatic circles that I am really not a big fan of because it seems that all of their prophetic words are more fluffy and just full of space. Like it's they're just taking up time with what they're saying. We need to be careful with who we're allowing to minister to us in those places and what words they're actually speaking. Is this something that you can find in the Bible? Are the words that they're saying right now in this beautiful description of what they say heaven is, is this actual description that you can find in Scripture? If it is not, I would be very hard-pressed to sit there and listen to that with a joyous heart. Very careful with, with what I'm allowing to speak in those moments. People who give prophetic words need to be rooted and grounded in Scripture. If they are not rooted and grounded in Scripture, then they are speaking out of their own spirit. And I don't trust your spirit. I trust the spirit of God. We cannot just be so attracted to people because they say they're prophets, because they have prophet in front of their, in front of their name on, on a Facebook account. Anybody can make a Facebook account, and I can call myself the president. does not mean I'm the president doesn't mean that's my gift or my calling it just means i put that there and i could put a seal that shows that america is there behind me on a zoom not hard to do today <laughs> super easy so we cannot be deceived by people who just elevate themselves and say all kind of ridiculousness because they say they're a prophet we cannot just follow someone because they say they're an evangelist we cannot just follow someone because they have a pastor title in front of their name we cannot follow someone just because they claim to be an apostolic figure we have to know that this person is rooted in scripture when they speak you can smell the aroma of scripture off of them you can feel the spirit of god that's there you can sense and tell that this is someone who has dwelt and been with the lord you can tell that the humility is in front of them as they're walking and they're talking and they're speaking humility is the thing that they walk into it is not pride and arrogance anybody who even is gifted and who can still prophesy who walks in pride i'm walking away from Listen to me clearly, because I can hear from the Lord myself. I don't have to have someone else hear from the Lord for me. If you're full of arrogance, you're going to come at me with all this other stuff, I'm going to want nothing from you. We need to be very, very diligent. Diligent. Yeah. Vigilant. There we go. Wow, two words in the same time. And we need to be very diligent and vigilant. <laughs> Precise. Intention, with all intentionality, we need to have a lot of understanding when we come to the position of being with the body of Christ. And this is why the body is important. This is why being with one another is important. We cannot just seek people outside of, of, of who we've been entrusted with consistently to give us a word. If we are relying on other people to give us a word from the Lord, then we are relying on people more than we are relying on on the Lord. This is the, the quote that I gave last week from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Those who cannot be alone, beware of community. Those who cannot be in community, beware of being alone. 
we cannot be so, so dependent upon people and upon gifted people that we don't ever hear from the Lord on our own. Cannot be that way. We've lost sight. John says, the sh- my sheep know my voice. Do you know his voice? Or do you just know other people's voices that say that they know his voice? You're not going to heaven based off their merit and your relationship with them. That's not how we're getting there. You're not having a relationship with God through them. You have a relationship with God. And then through your relationship with God, you are then invited after we pass away to continue in relationship with the Lord. It is just a continued relationship. So we need to be diligent. We have to know the word. We cannot be lazy Christians. We cannot be. And he says this. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Preserve them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Preserve these things. Preserve your relationship with the Lord. Preserve humility in your life. Preserve righteous living. Preserve knowing scripture. We should never feel that we've gotten to a place where we have completely arrived in our knowing. I'll end with this. My, uh, uh, you guys know Dr. Connie Dawson. Uh, she's one of the, the professors at, at the seminary that I went to. Her, uh, one of her mentors, Dr. Vincent Sinan, is one of the, the most prolific Pentecostal um, historians. That, that there has ever been. I mean, he's he's written lots and lots and lots of great literature. If you want to know anything about the move of the of the Holy Spirit from um, from about uh, I'd probably say eleven eighty uh, all the way through to today, then then that's a great person's material that you can go in and look at his stuff just to see church history from the the, the huge boom of Pentecostal movement in in twelve oh six. And just the amazing things that happened from uh, from Azusa Street on, um, she said that that he even in his lectures, as someone who is who is just w- like globally known for being a, a Pentecostal historian, he would still go through every time that he would go and do a lecture. He would she would find him going back and studying and reading over material again to make sure that what he knew was was correct. Someone who is at the very top of of his field in academia, very top. And he still would go back and he would study to show himself approved. And all humility, making sure that he was, he was doing what he needed to. And so if someone who is at the very top of their level when it comes to having to teach, to instruct, traveling around the globe, making sure this is happening, if he's still going back and, and studying things to make sure that he is doing what he needs to and stating the correct stuff and, and pre- presenting the information the way we needed to, I think that we could also do a pretty good job of going back and reading scripture over and over and over again. And making sure that what we are saying, what we are believing, the way we're reacting to things is biblical. It is needed. We have to be this way. We have to. So let's stand this morning. I'm not going to belabor too many. It is 12.09. <coughs> I'm hoping to get done with this, with this series by the end of this month. That way we can uh, we can move on. Um, I really want to hit on. Um, there's a, a wonderful book by uh, Saint Athanasius. He was a, a, a wonderful theologian from uh, from the early church church days, and he has a book called On the Incarnation. and uh, And I want to pull some good information from there. 
and really deliver going into this into this Advent season the importance of Christ's birth and the incarnation, the reason why he had to come and why we celebrate and really deliver some uh, some information based off of that. So that's what we're really going to be pinpointing on in the in the month of December. So I'm going to try to be diligent and uh, and finish this this series over First Timothy uh, by the end of this month. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come together and to, to glorify your name. Thank you for the 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 wonderful letters that you have that you have given us through the hands of Paul and the encouragement that he gave to Timothy. Thank you for the things that they were going through, that, that they were able to go through them, and that you um, and that you were working through these wonderful people so that we could also glean and learn from their mistakes and the things that they were going through. Father, help us be diligent in our studies. Help us be uh, understanding and gracious in the midst of it as well. Let us not be pressured to, to have to just do things and, and it become just a religious activity void of relationship. Lord, let us do these things because we want to honor you. We want to love you. We want to have, have, have a greater understanding of, of who you are and, and how we can uh, deliver your love to other people around us. Let us walk in humility. Let us walk in love. Let us walk it with endurance and with patience. Let us be people who are recognized by the spirit of God that is within us and not by, uh, and not by some fleeting ideology that is progressivism today. Father, give us, give us wisdom as we go into our workplaces. That as much of, much of what is, is being preached today by those in the secular realm are, are, are things that are anti-gospel, let us, let us have wisdom in how to approach people, wisdom in how to conduct ourselves, wisdom in how to have conversations with those who are in high disagreements with the way that we believe and think, and help us be good question askers so that we can also reveal the lie that is that has been spoken to these people. Let us be compassionate towards each of these people, knowing that it is it is the enemy that has deceived them and that they themselves are ones that you would love to have a relationship with. And so help us be agents of truth, agents of love, agents of compassion. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen. If you would like prayer, we'd love to pray with you guys up here in the front. Um, we'll be up here waiting just a little while after this is done. Um, you guys feel free to have a